tradies and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ. Very good afternoon. Welcome into the Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, all black great Justin Marshall. Over the next two hours, we do talk the national game. Australian Wallaby great, the great David Campisi on the programme just after one. But we will celebrate, talk all things Super Rugby as well. How good were the Blues last night in that victory over the Hurricanes? And just how good last night was Mark Talia? Bryce Heem, is he not the most underrated second 5'8 in the country? Should he be part of that World Cup discussion? It's a big warm welcome to a man who this week was inducted into the Crusaders Hall of Fame alongside of Wayne Smith and Todd Blackett. Justin, congratulations, mate. Wonderful honour. Yeah, good afternoon, Watto. Good afternoon, everybody joining us for the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Um, thank you very much. Yes, it was an incredible... Uh, honour to be inducted uh, alongside two other legends of uh, Crusaders rugby and Wayne Smith and, and Todd Blackadder, but equally uh, the, the Crusaders union, backroom staff, um, the organisation in general, the alumni and the leading committee of that uh, have need, they need a great big pat on the back. They did an absolutely outstanding um, job of putting on this uh, innovation uh, for, for the for the Crusaders and the Crusaders players, and uh, it was just a fantastic afternoon. Yeah, uh, Justin, when you look back and you're a young man and you're growing up and you're playing the game, do you pinch yourself now that not only you went on to become an All Black, but you've gone on to become one of the great All Blacks, and then you've got the might of Canterbury rugby, and clearly you are deemed by Canterbury Crusaders rugby as being one of the best ever that's played the game. I mean... Um, What's what's that like? Do you, do you ever get a chance to sit back and reminisce and go well? I don't think I ever really had. I, I think I was very fortunate and and very grateful for being part of the organisation. Um, you know, obviously being a founding member of the Crusaders as well, where we were trying to find our way and formulate a brand and uh, a franchise that people would support, um, create an identity uh, and didn't really even know where that was going to end up, if it was going to end up anywhere at all. You know, professionalism was just a just a, a, a reality, but just a sort of drop in the ocean as to where it was going to go around that time. Um, so I think I, I never really appreciated um, truly you know, how, how fortunate we were to be able to... to uh, Set the set the benchmark for where this club would eventually be now, and a lot of the hard work and the players that were involved, even the administration, and and getting us to that point, I have a lot to uh, thank them for. But I think probably it wasn't until what I when I walked into that room, uh, there were seven hundred people in there, but most importantly, Crusaders past, present, um, you know, even the current group of players that were playing the next day were made the effort to turn up. And when I walked in their footsteps again and saw the faces in that room, it was incredibly humbling. It really was. The 
the success. There was a big uh, wall of the Centurions, um, 23 Centurions that the Crusaders have got. Uh, and the people that were in that room right from all the way back in 1996 was just uh, was just inspiring, but it also made you feel very special to be, have had to have played a small part in it. Justin, as we get older and we get wiser, and I think it was David Bowie who said, look, I don't mind getting old because you end up becoming the person you always wanted to be. What's <laughs> now the responsibility of being Justin Marshall? I think keeping... What we created, um, you know, culturally and, and equally in terms of being successful, uh, alive and, and making sure that the environment that we thrived in and we were part of is an environment that every crusader gets to experience. And only former players can give the, the, the new players, the new crusaders, the pathway to be able to do that. And I think that's our that's our role. That's our responsibility now. The time for putting the boots on and going out there and performing in front of our crowd, for our people, for our friends, family, and our teammates has passed us by. That's up to the current playing group. But what we can do is make sure that they're living the values of a crusader on and off the field. And every crusader's got to be responsible for that. Well, Justin, Ben and I um, certainly enjoy working with you. Um, we know too that, you know, being in the, the commentary role, it's not always easy. It can be subjective and that at times you do cop it. But look, we've just put it together a little bit of a, a clip here. Just uh, we'd like you to listen to just acknowledging uh, your career with the Crusaders and some really nice words said from some people that you've played with. Barrel has to play halfback onto Mertens. Kick made by Lilly. In splendid isolation is Daryl Gibson. He's got support from Justin Marshall. He can't believe it. There's nobody home. And he's, he's done it again, Marshall. Marshy, the OG. Stagger here, mate. Crusader 149. I just want to say. Congratulations on your recognition into the Hall of Fame. Uh, couldn't have gone to anyone else, mate. The three champions that were inducted yesterday. Uh, you're, you're a passionate man, and you wore your heart on your sleeve. You represent the Crusaders through and through. Even your commentary is Crusader biased. I love it. <laughs> but, uh, mate, well done. Enjoy this moment, and uh, thanks for paving the way for the rest of us. Justin, aka Marshy, this is Casey Laulala. I just want to congratulate you on, the, on your induction to the Hall of Fame for the Crusaders. Um, thank you for what you've done for the organization, but for all of us that um, that came through um, the Crusaders. I remember the time when I came down and your presence and your will to win um, really inspired us to be the best that we can be. Again, just want to thank you and congratulations.
is Marshall. Quick hands again, McIntyre. Carter got a chance down the right wing side this time with Blair. Gets it off the boot and back up. And the ball is just tipped inside. It's still right. Marshall has a go. And Justin Marshall is in. G'day, mate. Nisbo here. I uh, congratulated you yesterday, but nice to be able to repeat again on your own radio show on Sins. I know it was a pretty emotional night for you on Friday night to be inducted along with your mates Wayne Smith and Todd Blackadder. Uh, the Crusaders have certainly created an incredible le- legacy over the last 27 seasons and to be acknowledged in the very first induction is a great feat and also to be recognised in the first ballot ahead of people like Robbie Deans, Andrew Mertens, Dan Carter, Richie McCaw. It's a real testament to your contribution to the club. So. Congratulations once again, mate. Fully deserved recognition. Yeah, that goes to you, Justin. And I think um, Nisbo summed it up nicely when you look at some of those players that um, didn't get inducted after that first ballot. And I think that is credit to you uh, as a player, but also what you represent and just how much you do wear your heart on your sleeve when it does come to the Crusaders, mate. So, uh, yeah, look, congratulations. Yeah, well, thanks to you, Watto and Ben and all the Sense team um, for... Putting that together, uh, it was great to hear the messages from uh, Izzy and Casey and Nisbo and Co. And um, just means a lot. Uh, look, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm very proud that I am considered to be Crusader number nine. Um, it feels it feels nice, and uh, I think I said it when I was on the stage at the weekend. I said I don't feel that I possibly deserve this any more than a Crusader has only played one game because we're all out there playing with the same heart and passion and, and drive and desire, um, whether we've played one or 105 that I was lucky to play. But uh, I think seeing the people in that room and, and them recognising me and um, being, has been a big enough part of the side to be in the Hall of Fame and have contributed enough, I don't think there's many things that have made me more emotional, more proud in my life. It was... Pretty hard to keep it together up there, to be fair to say. Yeah, I'm usually pretty good. <laughs> did, did, did you have family in the room, Justin? I did. I had my my entire family there. My wife, my three my three children, my mum and dad, my two brothers uh, were there, and even the uh, mother-in-law made the cut. So that's saying something. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, uh, it was it was just incredible, and um, you know the company uh, we, we we shared not only for that afternoon and later that evening was just um, really special. I just want to get your thoughts on Wayne Smith because Wayne certainly when it came into the Crusaders was there from a coaching point of view. He's almost come on to become this uh, legendary figure within New Zealand rugby um, known as the Professor. Very, very astute man. My early memories of Wayne Smith were actually uh, when Canterbury lifted the Ranfurly Shield off Wellington I think back in about 1983 and there he was playing at first 5-8 and that was my sort of real first introduction into him. Um, and the small dealings I've had with him, and I have been opinionated, been pretty hard on some of the All Black teams and some of the rugby that he's been associated with. He's always been a gentleman. He's always understood my role, and for that I've always um, admired him. Just his contribution to Crusader rugby, and um, yeah, you just your, you just sum this man up for us. Well, I think probably what people don't uh, recognise is what, what you see from Smithy when you hear him interviewed or talking about the game is he's very matter-of-fact. Uh, he's a tactical genius. Um, there's a reason he is called the professor. And 
he has a great mind for the game and a great ability to get the best out of players, um, to analyse the opposition and make their life a misery. But most importantly, he's he's a really deep, uh, I guess, heart man when it comes to the game. You know, whether it's the All Blacks or the Crusaders, he puts his heart and soul into it. And I think that's absolutely the reason that he was recognised at the weekend because we were in a bit of a crisis at the end of 96 where we finished bottom of the table and leading into 97, you know, we had had the talent, but we just hadn't been able to find a way to galvanise and how to create, like I said, an, an identity uh, and, and then equally get the fans and people behind us. And uh, Smithy tapped into that magnificently and he, he started the culture of what the Crusaders live by today. And... I think that that's testament to the skills that he has that people don't sometimes see on the exterior, but when you're within his coaching regime on the interior, you absolutely appreciate that he he, he loves the game, but he loves his team, and uh, and he he always puts them first. I want to touch on Todd Blackadder because I tell you, as a Blues fan, uh, one of those names that would create that discussion. Uh, I think part of the reason why there was real tribalism, equally as much as Crusaders probably hate players like Mark Carter and Carlos Spencer, you've got to have your villains, you've got to have your heroes. But has there ever been a Crusaders player who has endeared himself more to Crusaders fans than Todd Blackadder? No, I don't think so. Um, I think Toddy, he, he was loved by all. And, and that's because really he, he was just a true Canterbury man anyway, wasn't he, from Glenmark. Uh, and he played the way... Uh, I guess country rugby players have always played. They just roll their sleeves up every single game and you got the, the best out of him or all he could give on every single minute that he threw a shirt on because he cared. He, he was a great kisser of babies. Um, he was well loved by the older demographic, the amount of grandmothers that used to kick him, uh, kiss him on the cheek and uh, um, sort of admire him and want their photo with him. Um, you know, he, he was just loved by everybody. And the the big plus with Toddy was that he wasn't just a player that just wanted to go out there and do the things I just described. He equally was a great leader. Uh, and, you know, we, the, we we as players, would we would just follow him anywhere. And, uh, you know, that, that sort of uh, mana is, you know, very rare. And, uh, yeah, he was... He was a hard-on-the-sleeve type player, and it's why he played for so long. And again, the reason why um, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, because you would just have to say, when you're looking at names and you think about the Crusaders, you just think Todd Blackadder. You do. You do, 100%. I always remember the uh, sign in the crowd when he didn't make the All Blacks initially under John Hart, and there was that great sign that said, a hot toddy for a cold heart. <laughs> That's great. Isn't very, it? <laughs> very clever. Never ever forgotten that one. I won't mention some of the others that were written about Aucklanders over the years, but that one always stood out. <laughs> very, very clever humour. Uh, we've got some texts that have come in too, Justin. I'll just read. Uh, congratulations, Justin. I found rugby easier to follow by focusing on what you were doing in every game. Your reactions and facial expressions told the story of what was happening before the commentary team untangled moments in the game. And now your comment sideline continued to make the game easily digested to us folks on the couch. Awesome. Uh, that just comes with a, a number. And then 
Uh, this from Anthony says, um, Hi, Wado and Marshy. Well done to Justin on his achievements on the field and off it in the media. Very talented. Uh, that's what we always need now. Tough running halfback in the All Blacks. Cheers from Anthony. He says something here. I'm not sure what this is in reference to. Great story about John Arthur, a tough old bugger. Cheers, Anthony. Oh, yeah, yeah. We uh, had John Arthur obviously run out yesterday uh, for the Crusaders. So, you know, a blue centurion, Watto, you'll be, you'll be rolling in your grave, um, throwing on, finally realising and seeing the light of uh, the Crusaders jersey at the ripe old age of basically nearly 40. 39, he's the oldest rugby player to have played super rugby. I think it was 30, he's 39 and 270 odd days or something like that, 80 odd days. And uh, yeah, just incredible to see uh, the transformation of him from Blues Centurion to All Black to playing in France and formulating a great career over there and then getting off a plane two days ago two days ago from France, making one captain's run and then going out there and banging out, I think it was 50-odd minutes on, on the tight head side of the scum for the Crusaders. He would have been crusading up a few beers last night, Watto. Oh, he'd be, no, he wouldn't have. He would have been home framing the jersey to put up on the wall, Justin. That's what he would have been doing. <laughs> 17 and a half minutes after 12, you are listening to the rugby run. Mark Watson alongside of me, All Black, great Justin Marshall. We have Grant Nisbet on the programme around about 12.30. And then after one o'clock, the great David Campisi. We'll take a break and we'll come back with some of your calls. If you've got a message for uh, Justin, and we will look at last night's games and the games over the previous two days as well. We'll do that. Um, shortly, but if you do have a comment, you would like to say something to Justin or just simply comment on the games from over the weekend, the telephone number is 0800 150 That's 0800 150 uh, Bunnings, power your business with Bunnings. Trade Power Pass. It is 22 minutes after 12, Grant but not too far away on the programme. Mark Watson alongside of me, All Black Great, and now Crusader inductee into the Hall of Fame, Justin Marshall. Justin. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of add one thing um, about the Hall of Fame function that the Crusaders have basically innovated and, and brought into the calendar uh, to just say that um, I think it's something that uh, rugby needs more of. I agree. Uh, the ability for former, current, present players, administrators, coaches, medical staff to get together because I feel that Rugby's a really weird game in the fact that you play for a period of time, whether it be two years, five years or ten years, and you, you're a family. You, you live, breathe each other throughout that time. You spend time travelling, um, and it's basically like workmates every day for that period of time. But unlike work, when your career finishes or goes elsewhere, everybody goes in different directions, and you don't see those people anymore. And it, it is, uh, I think, really important that rugby continues to recognise that we, we need to make sure we, we find the pathway for players uh, within their, their teams, including even the All Blacks, and have opportunities for them to get together and reconnect. And, you know, you see some of the tragedies that have happened, mm. you know, with mental health recently in the game where rugby yep. is not um, a sport that is... Uh, uh, not suffering from it, and you know when you get together, it, it's it's a it's a mateship, but it's also an ability for players, to, former players, to talk to each other and ask about each other's lives and how they're getting on and 
what they're doing now and you know we might be able to get on top of some of the problems that people do have um you know once they finish playing so yeah i think it's great what the crusaders have created but i hope that um you know maybe some of the other clubs can look at a way to get some of their players together regularly so that we can make sure that we stay on top of a lot of the problems but equally uh, enable the players to still have a, a good time together and, and, and reconnect from you know from players and people from their past. Yeah, and I think too, um, you're right, Justin. I mean, giving up a sport and then having to get into normality um, for a yeah. whole lot of reasons that can be quite tough on your mental health, but also just having that reassurance that you're not the only one, that I'm not the only one yes. feeling like this can just actually help maybe alleviate some of that anxiety. But the other thing too, Justin, we've got a couple of callers that I do want to go to, is just from a fan's point of view, I just don't think we do a very good job of actually recognising our greats of the game. You know, the Americans do it very well. They, you know, they retire jerseys, they put plaques up at stadiums um, they have proper send-offs you know we have great players and they'll play their last game in the UK disappear and we sort of never really hear from them again you know there's the statues of Michael Jones at Eden Park but they're few and far between and I'd just like to see us do more in regards to just sending off our greats and recognising them and remembering them so that that next generation are reminded as well without having to rely on stories necessarily around the dinner table. Oh, absolutely. And I feel that other sports do do it really well. You're absolutely right, particularly in America. Um, but you'll also find some of the stadiums that I've been lucky enough to visit, like Old Trafford, and actually played there and walked yeah. down the tunnel. They have, you know, players from England football, but equally uh, famous uh, Manchester United players all um, along those walls and equally their trophies that they've won. And it's quite intimidating to to, do, to, to have to walk past that. You think of the tennis mm. at the Rod Laver. Yeah, absolutely. I think they call it the, the Walker Champions or something. They do, um, yeah. Yeah, and that and that's recognition. Well, um, and I feel that we need to be better. I agree with you. Yeah, and it also just reminds you of the legacy. It also reminds you perhaps of the expectation, as you discussed the other week, Justin, leaving that all-black jersey in a better place and all of those other things, yeah. whether it be from a player point of view. Again, also the stories from a fan point of view. Uh, let's go to the phones. Hi, Dean. So, thank you for waiting. No, all good, man. I enjoyed listening to you. It's perfect. And firstly, Justin, congratulations. Thoroughly de- deserved, like as a fellow Southlander. A lot of us of my generation got in behind the Crusaders because more Southlanders got up, got in up there than did in the Highlanders team. And I'm lucky enough to have a bit of memorabilia I've collected over the years. And I'm sitting here right now, mate, with um, it's a DB Draft T-shirt with Toddy on the front of it, and it's got congratulations on your historic three peat. You won't like this much, Watto, but 1998, 2013 against the Blues, 1999. I was there at that game. Everyone from the South and was. 24-19, I mean, they were supporting both teams, and then in 2020, the Brumbies, 2019, but look at those scores. Mm. Even though you were good enough to win them, but they were that damn close. Yeah, and now we don't like James but, Kerr in Auckland. <laughs> no, but I looked at it, and you, you, you John Arfoa, for me, like that game last night, Razor goes, talks him on the pitch, and that, and it's great, I love seeing that, you see his smile, and he goes in the dressing shed, and Cody Taylor's Deep in meditation, which I love. He's just got his head, eyes closed, and he's just getting his shit together. And John Arfoa is sitting there. Razor looks at him, and he would have said something. And John Arfoa just gives him a big wink and then that grin. And that just tells me, yeah, I got this. Oh, you're right. And that just typifies the crusader mentality, which I want the All Blacks to get that back. 
I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, yeah Dean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because my observation is the Crusaders are still retained it. The All Blacks are starting to lose it. And the Crusaders have got that, Keep the you know, you're just a custodian of this jersey and you want to leave it in a better place than when you left it. And I think the Crusaders actually probably are the forerunners and frontrunners now in terms of what historically the All Blacks once were. Hey, Dean, lovely to have you on the programme and thank you for waiting. Hi, Graham. Hi, oh, g'day, uh, Wado. How are you? Good, thanks. Oh, congratulations, Justin. I, sorry, I didn't get a ticket on for, for Friday night, but um, I'd love to have been there. And, um, yeah, I just was just so proud and pleased to see you and Wayne Smith and um, Tom Blackadder I caught up with a couple of times this week, actually, at Rugby Park, so it was great to see him again. But, you know, you're a, you know, I, I met you back in 1995 when you first played for Canterbury, and, um, yeah, no, I was always a great, as you know, a great supporter of yours, and um, brought that, I just love that competi- I love that competitiveness and um, the way you played. You know, never say die. It was just fitted in perfectly with the ethos rugby here in um, this region. And yeah, and I just went, and you know, I was at the game last night, but uh, I was a bit late getting there, so I missed seeing you. But uh, you know, just well done, Justin. You're really proud of what you've done, and you fully deserve that recognition, mate. Thank you, Graham, and I really appreciate all your support throughout the years. It doesn't go unnoticed and and i must admit you if you can somehow get your hands on a ticket for next year's uh, hall of fame inductions please do because you would have been in your rugby heaven believe me because the amount of crusaders that that made the effort you know um all the big names were there but all the names from the past as well guys you know that came down who were great imports like kevin Nepier and ron crib you know um just absolutely brilliant to see all the guys from 96 right through until the, the present day recognised what this event was going to be and not just sort of maybe think, oh, no, I'm a bit too busy. Just about every player who could possibly make it was there. Even Caleb Ralph came over from the Gold Coast. Um, it was just incredible. And, uh, yeah, you, I'm sure you would have had an absolute field day in there. You would have loved it. So put it in the calendar for next year. You do do not want to miss it. Hey, thanks, Graham. As always, lovely to have you on the programme. It is 29 minutes away from 1 o'clock. You're listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, Justin Marshall. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll catch up with the voice of New Zealand rugby, Grant Nisbet. No, far better looking than Ricardo Ball. Mark Watson with you. Not really, anyway. I just thought I'd talk myself up. Uh, just a reminder, too, after 2 o'clock this afternoon, can have Jono Riddler in studio. Jono has just completed a 100-kilometre swim. I cannot tell you how tough that is, 33 hours in the water from Great Barrier Island to Auckland's North Shore, so they're going to try and break this down mentally, because you have to have a head like granite, one of the great feats of human endeavour. So Jono will be in studio between two and three, but we are talking rugby, Mark Watson alongside of me, your black great Justin Marshall, and now the voice of New Zealand rugby joins us on the programme, Grant Nisbet. Afternoon to you, Grant, welcome. G'day, Mark. Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Right, let's have a look first at that Crusaders-Waratahs game last night. I've said this, and I said this a few weeks ago, I still think the Crusaders will win the Super Rugby comp. Are they just building nicely at the right time? When you look at the changes they make week in, week out, they just seem to have so much depth. Yeah, I think their big issue is going to be injuries. Um, and they copped a couple more yesterday, and fairly significant ones too. And poor old Cullen Grace, he can't. He just can't take a trick. Um, and David Harvey, that's a bit of a worry too, Justin. Um, I don't know whether it was a hamstring or not. Uh, initially, I think we thought it might have been cramp, but um, it could be worse than that. Yeah, good afternoon, Nisbo. And um, yeah, firstly, thanks for your, your kind words earlier. Uh, meant a lot. 
and totally appreciate it. Uh, yeah, cracking on with the game. Um, it is a hamstring for, for David Harvelli, so that, that will be probably him out of the rest of the comp, you would think. Um, you don't tend to get back from a decent hamstring tear any quicker than six weeks. So when you think Cullen Grace left the field as well and the injuries they've already got, you know, we've already chatted about the, the fact that they needed to get John Afoa back. Uh, that's how desperate they are getting with the greatest respect to John Afoa, but it's going to show that they are really getting pretty well deep into their resources, aren't they? So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Scott Robinson manages next week with a tough old battle against the Hurricanes, uh, and then gets a, a fit squad that he can launch as an assault on this title um, once it comes to knockout rugby. So it's a big game next week, isn't it? What did you make of the Hurricanes-Blues game? Oh, Justin, you know that I'm a Hurricanes man, and they just annoy me. <laughs> they just annoy me with the, with the number of errors and, and mistakes. Yeah. Uh, it was a winnable game for them. They couldn't get their line-out throws right. Admittedly, it was a tough night. It was uh, raining. We'd just come off a beautiful night in Christchurch. It's hard to believe in the same country that it could be so much different, um, you know, in, as I say, in the same country. But it was a very difficult night. Um, but it was a winnable game for them. They didn't kick any goals at all. Um, you know, I just, I just, I was annoyed. I was annoyed. Tell you what, though, and it's an absolute disgrace that he wasn't nominated last year, but it just highlighted, even in a losing team, just how good um, Artie Severa is. He is, without doubt, in my opinion, the best footballer in the world at the moment, certainly the most influential. But the other player, and I do want to discuss it, particularly off the injury concern around David Harvey, Bryce Heem, how underrated is he as a footballer? Because he was simply magnificent last night at second 5-8 for the Blues. Yeah, look, I thought he played really well, and, and he's one of those go-to guys, and he has been a go-to guy for a long, long time. Um, he's got that ability to, uh, to fill in when someone else falls over, but not only that, to make an impact, and you're dead right, he was, um, he was outstanding last night. Underrated, um, I think is a fair comment, and there are a few underrated players around, but he's certainly one of them. Okay, sorry, I just thought we were going to get Justin jumping then. Uh, looking, just just looking at some of the other aspects of that game last night, one player for the Hurricanes who seems to be just making incredible progress every week is the lock, uh, Walker Lewery. What do you make of him? Can you see sort of all black on his back in the future? I think if he can, um, I think if he can avoid uh, getting yellow cards, I think he's topped a few this year and avoid giving away silly penalties. He's certainly in the mix. I mean, we know there's going to be a big turnover of locks next year because uh, no white lock, no retallic. If you're talking all blacks, then we have to start looking at some of the other blokes that are running around. And he's been a bit of a constant. He's a Maori all black. Um, he's certainly got size on his, uh, on his side, but I think he is going to have to try and avoid um, penalties, yellow cards. I think he even copped a red card this year. But um, he's in the mix, Justin. Yeah, I think he is in his boat. Yeah, absolutely. And pretty much you'd have to think post-Rugby World Cup because certainly uh, Sam Whitelock uh, will, will no longer be around and, and there's also some um, vacancies there, I, th I think, for, for him um, to be able to push towards... Um, you know, partnering someone like Scott Barrett. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and you like you said, if he can just get his discipline right, 
uh, that'll make a major, major difference. Um, hey, look, uh, I was just glancing my eye. That's why there was a pause before, and my apologies for that, because um, I was glancing my eye over the points table. Now, what the Chiefs-Brumbies game, now I, I was looking at the fact that now the Brumbies are in fourth on 41. They were massively in control of their destiny, and I actually thought last night the Chiefs were that, Better, that much better aside, better side than what the Brumbies were. I was quite surprised. But do you do you think they've basically bottled it because they just don't seem to be the side they were early season? Who the Brumbies? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, and I, my mind goes back, and you and I talked about it at the time. My mind goes back to the time uh, when they bought a, a second string team to Christchurch, and we both agreed at the time that the Crusaders were quite vulnerable. And Stephen Larkin made a big decision to, um, to leave most of his key players at home. And I felt that was a real opportunity for them uh, to get a rare away win at the Crusaders. But they, they passed up that opportunity. Um, and now I think it's starting to, uh, to have some sort of effect. Yeah, the Chiefs were very good last night. And I think they just endorsed their favouritism for this title. You know, we talk about the Crusaders. But I think whatever happens uh, is, um, you know, if the Crusaders do make it to the final, they're going to have to go to Hamilton and uh, and beat the Chiefs there, which is uh, pretty hard to do. So, um, look, I think the Brumbies, while they'll get a home semi-final, at least a home quarter-final, not sure at this stage who they'll play. But um, they had a big opportunity last night, for sure. So, so if you're Jason Holland, now I've just talked about this, Big game against the Crusaders, but should you say that the Brumbies are going to win? Now, the Hurricanes sitting in fifth spot, they're probably not going to elevate themselves and they're not going to be caught by the team that's below them, which is the Waratahs, who are six points behind. What what does Jason Holland do next week, mate? Because it's the last round, obviously, before knockout rugby, but equally he could probably rest a few players um, and freshen them up if he wanted to, but... We've seen that that can be catastrophic for teams when they tend to do that before finals. What do you think he will do? Do you think he'll go um, all in and try and beat the Crusaders next weekend? I think he has to. I think um, you have to take momentum into the quarterfinals, Justin. And and the blokes you're talking about, you know, the Barretts and the um, uh, the, the Lomaxes and um, and the Artie Savias, they've had a break. I think they'll be raring to go. I think they'll... They'll say, let us go. Let us have a crack here. Um, I think he's got to be all in uh, simply because he's going to have to take momentum into the quarterfinals. Mm. Yeah, look, I think he's just got to do it for the fans too. I think fans have just had enough. I think there's enough out there. Fans just want to see the best players turn up and you can look too far ahead, but you've still got to win the game in front of you. Uh, look, I, I just want to go back to the midfield discussion and I know that there is, boy, a queue at the moment for some of those all-black positions. And I know, Justin, you named him recently, I think, with Martin Devlin on a show where you talked about Billy Proctor and just how good he's been this year. When we look at our Mm. great midfield combinations over the years and you go back to Walter Little and Frank Bunce and then you clearly go back to Conrad Smith and um, Ma Nonu, is there potential here for Geordie Barrett and Proctor in the future? Some, somebody? Oh, sorry, I thought Justin was going to jump in there. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, I think there is. I think Billy Proctor is a potential All Black. His brother was an All Black for only one game, but nevertheless, um, he continues to uh, to impress. Uh, maybe not this year. Um, sometime in the future, perhaps. 
um, you know, when you're looking at World Cup positions in the midfield, uh, guy we didn't see last night, uh, Leonard Brown, um, I think he is very much to the forefront, and I'd be disappointed if he didn't make it to the World Cup. You've still got Jack Goodhue. Uh, David Avili's going to be there, I'm sure, even though he may not see out the Super Rugby season. I'm sure when the All Blacks come round, we're going we're gonna to see him. We've got Geordie Barrett as well, of course. So, look, um, and, and Rico Ioane. We've got a bit of a log jam there. And admittedly, some of them have been a little bit injury-prone this year. But um, I think Billy Proctor is a player for the future. Um, it may not be in 2023, but, um, you know, when there's a bit of a clean-out at the end of the World Cup, maybe in 2024, Justin. Boy, he's got some speed, though, hasn't he, Justin? He showed some wheels last night. Oh, he did, but he's got a great set of skills as well. You know, the the offload that he, he made to uh, Naholo to go over, you know, in those types of conditions, out of the back of the hand while falling, that, that's not easy to execute. And he regularly makes good decisions. It's no coincidence that the outside backs at the Hurricanes are prospering because he's just very good at recognising when he can fix defenders and others can be in space. He He, he is in general, a traditional-style centre. So I agree with Nisbo. I'm, I'm not sure it would be as close as being this year because it's such a congested year for the All Blacks and they don't have really a lot of time to experiment and find out about a player. But he must be certainly in their thoughts as definitely a player to, to pencil in um, to, to give an opportunity at some stage if he continues to play the way he is. And Nisbe, just finally, Mark Talia, four tries last night, the one in the 79th minute, that little pick-up off the ground in wet conditions, just a remarkable piece of skill. Really, people do need to watch it. Is he cemented himself in the 14 jersey based off the back of that for in the minds of maybe the All Black selectors and clearly on what he did on the end of the year tour last year? Yeah, look, I think so. I think so. Um, I thought he was very good when he wore the All Black jersey with limited opportunities, as you said, at the end of last year. And he's done absolutely nothing wrong in Super Rugby, and he was outstanding last night. He really was. Uh, all you're asking of wingers is to finish, and he did it every time he got an opportunity. So if I was picking an all-black team to play uh, tomorrow, he'd be my number 14 for sure. I was just having a chuckle to myself in this, but I was thinking about our boat trip down into uh, Dusky Sound and the back all-black back line that um, I managed to ride out was Talia in it. I can't, can't remember. It was too, <laughs> too many beers deep. <laughs> I think the problem was we were trying to find a place for Will Jordan, weren't we? Because uh, yes. I think we both agree that if Will Jordan is fit, he has to be in the starting All Black 15. And uh, it's a question of where. Oh, you play him at fullback. Stevenson on one wing and you put um, and Talia on the other wing, surely. What do you do with Fyang Anuku? Off the bench. Off the bench, okay. <laughs> I think Fyang Anuku was in our um, our Bears boat team, so uh, yeah, we're going to have to disagree with you there, Watto. That's no, for sure. Hey, that's the great thing. We just want the debate, don't we? As long as we're debating that rugby's healthy. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. And, and you know, Ian Foster's got some very tough decisions coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, Grant Nisbet, thank you for your time this afternoon. Greatly appreciated and great call yesterday. Thank you, mate. Cheers. It is 12 and a half minutes away from one. You're listening to the Bunnings Rugby Run. Mark Watson with Justin Marshall. Got some texts that have come in that we will address. Just reminded, the great David Campisi on the programme after one. He actually picked up on social media some comments Justin made last week regarding switching off during a Crusaders game. A little bit bored, uh, I guess. We all sort of knew what the outcome was and 
Uh, he's picked up on that, and we just further want to have that discussion with NISBO, uh, maybe what some of the solutions are or what the level of engagement is like in Australia regarding Super Rugby at the moment. So we'll do that after one. Okay, it is coming up to seven minutes, or eight, seven and a half minutes away from one o'clock. Mark Watson, Justin Marshall with you. Um, right, let's have a look here. Uh, we just had somebody wanting to know too, Justin. Guys, why for the three big games in the last three weeks between New Zealand teams has an Australian been the ref? The breakdown and several decisions have left players confused. Got a thought on that one? I'm not entirely sure. I think they're just trying to spread uh, the, the referees um, around, giving them the opportunity, particularly the ones that are going to Rugby World Cup, just to get outside of their their uh, their home nation and um, just get into different environments so that they are ready to rock and roll come Rugby World Cup time. So I think that's probably just World Rugby doing that to make sure that they don't get stagnated in, in their own country. Do you get a sense that there, I mean, there's always been that Northern Hemisphere refereeing style versus that Southern Hemisphere refereeing style. Can we differentiate it between, say, the way we ref the game here in Australia and the way we ref the game in Australia? Not saying that one is necessarily any better than the other, but is there a slightly different interpretation? Yeah, there is, and and I think we've seen that consistently. Uh, you know, when when there's two different sort of styles of games being played at different tempos, and and look, let's let's face it, we are playing under different laws in Super Rugby than what they are playing currently in the UK and Europe, um, you know, they, they are not playing uh, by any means the, the speed up style with the new innovations. They're not using the red, red, um, yellow card review system. So there's a lot that we are doing that is, that is different. Um, and subsequently that has an effect. So yeah, we've got to be prepared for that. And I think now teams do their research on referees as much as they do it on, on the opposition players as well. You know, it's particularly when you've got, you know, French referees with, maybe slight language barrier as well. So you've got to be accurate to know what they're going to interpret. And just finally, should we be concerned, just a text that's come in, should we be concerned about Geordie Barrett's goal kicking yesterday against the Blues? Doesn't often have an off ga- uh, day like that. You know, they were very difficult uh, kick- kicking conditions, um, but you would expect that he would be more accurate than that. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, he- he's usually very reliable. Um, every-, every now and then you have an off day. You don't want that to happen um, very often, uh, so hopefully it's just a minor blip in the radar where he had something quite not quite not on song for the evening. But no, I don't think we need to be too concerned. Bunnings Power, your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. A little bit later on in the next hour, we will uh, give us your Kubota Player of the Round as well. And. I understand too, we're going to have Ken Laban on the program around about 1.30, so an opportunity to talk to Ken about the Fiji and Drua. Moana Pacifica, 47-46. Did either side try and tackle the other side? I'm not sure. Uh, Certainly thoroughly entertaining game, and I'd imagine the Fijians would have loved every minute of it. You are listening to the Bunnies Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson, Justin Marshall. We'll take a break. After one o'clock, don't go away. One of the Australian greats, one of World Rugby's greats, the great David Campisi, will join us on the program. Absolute great pleasure now to welcome on to the rugby run one of the greatest that's ever played the game, certainly one of the great Australians of all time, one of the great characters, David Ian Campisi, who first played his first test for the Wallabies against the All Blacks back in 1982. Very good afternoon to you, David. Welcome. Good afternoon, guys. How are you going? Good. What are your memories of 1982, the first test against the uh, two tests against the All Blacks? Uh, well, it was very interesting. I was 19, I was drinking orange juice. Had no idea what I was doing. 
got off the plane and someone said, what do you think about Mark and the great Stu Wilson? I said, Stu who? <laughs> so that was my introduction into to playing against the All Blacks. Uh, you became famous, clearly. Uh, I think you project, well, put yourself right into the limelight with the famous goose step. It was something that no one had seen before, that little stutter. When did, when did you yep. develop that, and when did you first have the confidence to bring that out, say, in international rugby? Was from that from the very first time you picked up a ball? Yeah, it was, um, well, my memory was about, uh, I played league most of my life uh, in the country town. So um, we are playing in a place called Yass, which is about an hour or two hours out of uh, Queanbeyan, where I live, down near the ACT. And I got the ball under my goalpost. I saw these two kids come at me, and I did something, scored the other end, and these guys knocked themselves out. And I said, well, obviously that works. Um, never used, I never practiced it again, just to use it in the game. Hey, Campo, it's uh, Marsha here. Really good to hear your voice, mate, and thanks so much for joining us on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, I was just uh, reminiscing about um, you at the weekend, and that was um, quite an amusing moment, to be honest, because uh, I, I don't know if you remember, but you were still playing, and um, you were chasing down I remember, a guy called Daryl Gibson. Exact, I, know, I know exactly what you're going to say. is about when you did your Achilles. Yeah, that's it, mate. Yeah, because Gibbo was trying to out—he was trying to outpace you, and he knew he. I don't know why he thought he could, and you actually got him. Um, you you mowed him down, and he threw me a horrible pass, which resulted in me rupturing my Achilles. Remember, mate, I was I was about thirty-six years old as well. So I know that bloody quick. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, I see Burks every now and then, and we talk about that. I said, "Oh, mate, I can still." I came on as a. Uh, back in those, 98 it was, I came back on as yep. a, um, a uh, what are called these days, a super sub, and like I was 36, and you guys ran the ball for me on line, I've gone, oh, bloody hell. So I chased it, <laughs> and Mertz obviously didn't have the gas, mate, so he obviously felt sorry for you and gave you a bloody hospital pass. <laughs> he certainly did, yeah. But, um, hey, so I guess we probably want to touch on very quickly uh, your old outfit, which is the Waratahs. Um, look, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, mate. I expected more out of them than what they showed us last night. I thought they were really good in the first quarter and hour. They got no change out of all of their early dominance. And then in the second half, they were quite disappointing, to be honest. Spilt a lot of ball, looked a bit aimless. Is Is that concerning for you, do you think? Oh, mate. Uh, Justin, look, it's very. it's been very frustrating. For, I've been cancelled by Rugby Australia because of my views. Uh, I was on Stan TV. They kicked me off that because they said I'm no good on TV. Uh, I was doing articles in the paper. I'm no good there either. Um, It's very frustrating, mate. I just sit there and watch the games, and it's so predictable. Um, And unfortunately, you know, back in 91, in 91, I brought out a book on a wing and a prayer, and I predicted then, if we go professional, the game will go broke. That was in 91, because I could just see what was going to happen. And now, every team is so structured. It's just like watching a game of chess. You know, you can turn on the TV and watch a game and turn over and watch something else and come back and nothing's changed. Mm. And the referees are absolutely diabolical. It's just a shame that we've got, you know, you've got Bill Beaumont, who's what, 85 years old, still present in world rugby, really. I mean, the game's a, a modern game. You know, we, we've got sevens now as well, which I play a lot of. They've walked to the line out as well in sevens. Like, it's just bizarre. Uh, yes, the Waratahs were very disappointing, mate. I think that once um, I do a lot of coaching, I'm, I was the ambassador for the uh, Hunter Wildfires, which is up in Newcastle. Two and a half thousand kids 
Uh, I was there on Thursday nights, uh, coaching under 13s, you know, which is great. And I said, guys, this has got to do short hands, bang, bang, bang. So after training, I asked some of the kids, I said, what position is you, number nine? Who's your favourite player? And he said, oh, George Gregan. I said, oh, that's great. But he, does, he hasn't played anymore, but he loves George Gregan. And some of the yeah. other guys, have got, no, they don't even watch. They don't even watch the game. Yeah. So our problem is the guys coming through, like the Waratahs, no one goes to watch because no one actually knows who's playing. And the style of rugby, as you know, in, it's a bit different in New Zealand, but if you don't entertain people in Australia, you can watch Aussie Rules, Rugby League and football. So we, we've always been dominant when we've actually entertained crowds, people come and watch. But the Waratahs last night, like to actually uh, have a team, you know, that just made... I said to my wife, Lara, who's... Um, um, you know, can you imagine all these supporters who are Waratahs fans, you know, who've supported for 20 years and... And you see performance like that, you must be devastated. You know, you want their loyalty, but the loyalty is they want to rest players because they know they're not going to win the current champ. Like, it's just bizarre. Our day when we played, we just played the best teams all the time. Mm. It wasn't about a second team or that, you know. Very frustrating. Yeah, David, look, I want to give you my opinions on this and get you to comment because I'm not in disagreement at all. Um, I'm sick and tired of sports scientists telling us what somebody can do and assuming that every player is um, genetically programmed the same way. Let's continue to dumb it down. You know, you're not allowed to play five games of Super Rugby in a row, but if you're to win a Rugby World Cup... You're going to have to win three three big tests in the space of 15 days, and you're going to have to have some tests yep. in the lead up to that because you've got to make sure you got your combinations right. Um, it seems to me the only people that are benefiting at the moment are the players. You've seen that you've been cancelled in Australia because you have yeah. an opinion. Um, it seems to me if, here in New Zealand you're no longer allowed to have an opinion. Um, therefore, there's no discussion anymore. There's no one talking around the water cooler. There's not the discussions between the John Hart's and the Laurie Mains and who should be coach or the Mark Carter's and the Reuben Thorns and that real angst and that tribalism's disappeared. Uh, the game's been reduced to the 80 minutes in the middle of the park because there are no narratives now supporting it because no one's allowed to have an opinion. Our coaches pretty much come out of the same mould. You know what they're going to say at half time. They're not personalities. Yet I look at rugby league. You know, even the even the antics that go off the field in a funny kind of way get people talking about it. And I often say this, David, man's defeats are on the front pages of the newspapers, man's victories are on the back, and that is for a reason. Because we don't actually mind a little bit of a train wreck. That's who we are. That's what we programmed. I look at English Premier League football. You look at the multiple narratives that constantly support that game. There is always an angle. There is always a story, some of it positive, some of it negative. You look at what the NRL do, and you look at what mixed martial arts do, and then I just sit here, and rugby has its head in the sand, constantly trying to tell us, oh, yeah, but we need to target the family. When are they actually going to realise mankind is flawed and we don't actually mind a damn train wreck and actually just start treating us like normal people rather than sort of, you know, grouping us all in as if we live at the highest moral bloody levels? Yeah, look, I think it's 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 quite interesting that um, what you said about the, all these, these scientific people coming over. So rugby, when we went professional in 96, uh, that was my last year of rugby, uh, and uh, it was one year of professionals after the World Cup '95. Um, and what happened was that um, I could sense, you know, I remember the first day when training, and guys are going, "What are we doing here? What is this? You've gone from amateur to now you're a professional overnight." You know, and I remember this. I remember I was pre-season. My skin folds were 102 uh, percent, so the whole average sort of thing. And so they said, "Oh, you want? We want you to get down to 79." percent fat and I'm going oh bloody hell, okay so I did it I got to 79 I felt so weak that everyone touched me I was going to get smashed so I had to go to about 82 now back in the amateur days 
mate, what we did, you know, you get there on a Wednesday before a test match with the All Blacks, you get together, you train, Thursday train, Friday, you'd have a, um, a team run, Saturday you play a club, uh, play a test match, Sunday you go and play club rugby. And we all were fine. We went to the Grand Slam in 1984, we played 18 games. Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for 18 games, trained every single day, got 20 quid a day. It was fine. Mm. Now, oh, mate, you can't play, sorry. You know, you've um, had too much rugby. Kids can't play too many games a day. Oh, it's not good for you. Mate, we're, we're actually creating a bunch of wusses. You know? Mm. We are actually starting to create guys that... How about a bit of resilience? How about a mm. bit of ball, excuse the expression? Mm. You know? I mean, it's part of life. And that's... All these people want safety. And I saw the Hanson uh, interview. You know, they're trying to make the game safer, but the game is dull. I mean, I watched a bit of the that uh, Barry. I mean, there's some of the Australian referees are disgusting. Mm. They look for things. They actually look for things to give a penalty. And I'm saying, why Why is it from a scrum? You get the, an advantage. You kick the ball away, advantage over. Then you get another advantage. It goes for 25 phases. Okay, we'll go back. You know, people in Australia, as I said, we are different to New Zealand. You guys, it's a religion. Here, we've got four football codes. We're up against it all the time. And now it's even hard, you know, you've got Rugby Australia, go and buy rugby league players. Mm. We've got 11 really good wingers in Australia, so we go and buy another winger. Mm. The problem is we haven't got centres to give the ball to the wingers. Mm. You know, Corobetti, who's a very good winger, most of his tries are scored from five metres that he goes into the ruck and dives over the line. Jeez, I'd never win a ruck in my life. Too bloody scary in there. Mm. You know? So that's, that's the way the game has changed, and they... they the people at the top think it's great, but I mean, the viewership, I would love to see what the viewership records are in Australia with uh, Stan. I'm sure when you look at the stadiums, they're, they're empty. And as I said, if you're going to play a Waratah team um, against one of the best teams in the world and dilute the team by giving the second team a run, it's not really good for your brain. Mm. Okay, David. Uh, look, J- Justin's just dropped out. We're just trying to get him back. But um, just, just, just moving, because, look, I'm 100% agreement. The same thing's happening here. You know, we're jumping up and down, celebrating the fact that in 12 rounds of Super Rugby, we've had two sellouts and one is a stadium of capacity of 17,000, like big deal. But look, just, just moving from that, when you look at Australian rugby, putting to, putting to one side all the politics and what we've just discussed, do, do you think that Australia can still win a Rugby World Cup if it's 15 on 15, if it's a squad of 23, when you take... The best talent from out of the Super Rugby sides and whatever um, things you've got in place for maybe pulling some of the talent from overseas. Do you still believe that this team, that Australia can still win a Rugby World Cup when you do look at the way the draw is set up this year? Well, I think we've got the easiest draw in the World Cup. You know, every World Cup we play Fiji, we play and we've got Portugal. So, I mean, it's not a really hard, but the, 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 the only dilemma there is, you know, you probably play Portugal, win by 100 points, next week you turn up and play England. You know, so what she did the week before is not going to help the week after. Um, but I just think that one of our, you know, the game is professional. Players go overseas. You know, if you have a look at, um, <clears throat> this is my experience, you know, the World Cup 91, for example. In that, in that team that we won the World Cup, we had two teams in Australia, New South Wales, Queensland. So we had all the best players had combinations. Like in, from Queensland, you had Lina, Hoare and Little. You know, New South Wales, we had, um, uh, we had, I was at the back. The back three were from New South Wales. In the front row from New South Wales. You know what I mean? We had combinations that know each other inside out all the time. Now, you want to go and get Quade Cooper, who doesn't, he's not even playing with the guys. 
you can't just turn up and switch into something when you haven't had combinations. Combinations are vital in World Cups when the pressure's on. And the other thing is the, um, you know, you're, you're right. 15 on 15, that's how the game used to be played. You're the best 15. You don't come off. Now, you're the best 23. So if you look at 2015 Rugby World Cup final, you know, the game was pretty close. But then the second half, you bring on Sonny Bill Williams, Artie Sevilla. Mate, their tests, they were, I don't know how many tests I had amongst them. I had a lot. We brought on Dean Mum. We brought on someone else. <laughs> you know, who didn't have the caps of the experience. That wins the games. Now, they talk about safety, okay? Safety of the game. So you've got the World Cup 2019 in Japan. Okay, so England lose their best player within the first three minutes. Simmons, I think. Simkins, I think it was. The prop. Anyway, so they bring Coles on, the prop, who's only played 20 minutes a game right through the World Cup. Now he's got to play 60 minutes. Right? The second half, South Africa bring on their best front row. So why is that not dangerous to the game? Why is that not going to cause harm and injury to the opposition who have down one prop already? So what about that safety? So what, why, why is they worry about some of the other things? Why is there 23 players? Why aren't you the best 15? Make it two reserves again or three reserves. So the team has to play 80 minutes. They're getting paid a lot of money. I've, I've seen a couple of games this year, um, I don't watch a lot, I must admit, where the player comes on, it's half time, a minute in the second half, the prop's replaced. He runs on for one minute and comes off again. And the problem is, the bigger problem is, that all these managers talk to the coach and say, mate, listen, if you don't give my player a run, I'm going to take him somewhere else. And that's, that's pretty a fact as well. So that's why the coaches are under pressure. There's a lot of pressure everywhere. But what I found in life, Playing, been around rugby for 30 years, all the shit happens off the field and eventually comes on the field. Mm-hmm. Are you enjoying your coaching? You're doing it at a grassroots level? Oh, I've just about finished, mate. Um, I lo- I've uh, finished my level two coaching. Um, yeah. So I rang up New South Wales and said, oh, you know, how do I get my level two? Well, you've got to go back and do level, level one. I said, shove it. <laughs> I've, said, I've, seen coaches, I've seen coaches never played the game on level two, got no idea, but I've played 101 tests, but I've got to go and do my, my levels. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a great time, mate. I love passing on, but the problem is in Australia, no one knows who we are. There's no history. Um, there's no culture in Australian rugby. It's, it's just non-existent anymore. Well, that's my view. And, um, again, it comes from the top. They're more worried about trying to make money. But actually, there's no money for grassroots rugby. Um, and it's very sad. Yeah, look, we, 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 the we, got, are. we got the same thing here, though. It's all just too top-heavy over here. You know, we, we've moved from being a rugby rugby-loving nation to an all-black-loving nation, and then we started to say, well, it's OK if the all-blacks lose as long as we win the Rugby World Cup. And I've been saying this for a long time, David. You know, that is a very, very dangerous philosophy when you look at the history of the all-blacks, but that's where we're going. And so um, a lot of people have just texted in just congratulating you on your thoughts this afternoon. So, look, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Showing well, that uh, Justin sort of left us. Yeah, no, we just, no. Well, he's, he, we, we just he's based down in uh, Queenstown, so we're just having a few technical issues. Sometimes it's not always oh. that easy. So, well, mate, it, it's mate, it's like in Australia here. Every time the phone runs out, I say, "Welcome to Bangladesh." <laughs> Seventeen minutes after one, the great David Campisi on the program. If you've got some thoughts, you want to text us in. Oh uh, eight hundred one five zero eight double one is the number. Uh, want to? We're going to take a break. Do want to come back and just look back over the games from this weekend's round of. 
Super Rugby, Bryce Heem. Uh, is he, where does he fit now in the selection? Like He outplayed Geordie Barrett last night, didn't he? He outplayed Geordie Barrett. He's, he's consistently good all week, uh, all year. I mean, he is just simply a superb footballer. And then you do have to go back and look at Mark Talia. Watch the pickup on the fourth try. Watch the Mark Talia tries. He is the form winger at the moment in the country. Has he cemented himself in the number 14 jersey? Artie Sevilla, without doubt, the best forward in the world, in my opinion. The turnovers, the ability to get across the advantage line, the little kick and chase reminds me of a Zinzan Brook. He is the one player, along with Ethan Blackadder, we cannot afford to lose between now and the Rugby World Cup. If we don't have both of those players on the field, we are in a world of trouble at World Cup time because I think they are the two who have the ability to break this game open for this all-black team and ignite what should end up being a very good all-black back line. Uh, still to come on the programme, Ken Laban. We'll look back and look at, say, Fiji and Drua uh, versus Moana Pacifica. 47-46 that game. Did anybody make a tackle? 18 and a half minutes after one. Mark Watson alongside, uh, 2 o'clock, it's 1 o'clock, is it? Mark Watson alongside of me, Justin Marshall. Jono Riddler is going to join us in studio after two. He's just swum 100 kilometres from Great Barrier Island to Auckland's North Shore. Can you imagine that, Justin? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I tell you, quite honestly, uh, and, and sorry, everybody, and um, apologies to Campo as well, um, I just had a bit of a technical issue here with my phone, but uh, it's nice to be back. Uh, no doubt I didn't hear it because of my technical issue. Campo would have been entertaining. He's never short of an opinion. Oh, yeah, so no, some, very, no, some good texts coming in regarding it, addressing some issues that probably need yeah. to be addressed. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I once um, decided that one of the things to do when you're in Noosa, the trendy things to do is to go right out along Noosa Beach in front of the surf club there, and you, you swim down to the rocks at the end of the beach and back, and people just were doing it all the time, and I thought oh, I can do that, mate. <laughs> I reckon I got about two hundred meters, two hundred meters, and then I was in all sorts of trouble and ended up um, bellying myself um, on the beach, absolutely exhausted. So I cannot imagine doing that swim. Yeah, I, I remember actually touching base and meeting you, Justin, down at uh, Challenge Wanaka. You were, oh, yeah. you were, yes, I think you, you, were, you were thinking down there with a the housing company. I think at some point. Um, I was. Yes, yeah, I was. yeah. That's always a yeah. that's always a good eye opener too to just other sports and other athletes, isn't it? You know, some very good athletes. Yeah, well, Bra- Braden Curry doing some great things out of Wanaka now. Absolutely, this is the heart and soul of um, you know. You've got Steve Gurney just lives here in Jack's Point with me. He was pretty good at multi sport, and some rugby players, Kieran Reid, Richie McCaw, and others have taken up multi sport. I can conclusively say like the swimming, I won't be doing that either. Yeah, no, and absolutely, Dougal Allen is um, now part. Dougal Allen is now part of Team New Zealand, so he's um, he's a, he's a grinder on board Team New Zealand. Dougal Allen. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? That's not easy. No, no. Hey, I just wanted to get some thoughts on Fergus Burke, um, a, a player again, just part of this factory that the Crusaders produce. Um, how much potential he got? Is he a first five? Is he a fullback? Where do you see him in the long term? Well, I think obviously with Richie Moonga um, parting ways with the Crusaders next year and moving on, yeah, he's the succession plan. Um, you know, with David Harvelli, yes, can play there, um, and and they are, you know, trying to um, bring bring others through. But you would imagine the way that Fergus Burke is playing and getting uh, even, albeit be at fullback, is getting better week to week. 
That absolutely, yeah. I, I think given time in that jersey uh, and just getting regular opportunities, uh, he's going to grow into a very, very good, um, very good ten for this uh, franchise, and then possibly um, be looked at in, in the future for the All Blacks. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Because he had a very, very good game at fullback yesterday. In fact, was instrumental. Oh, he did. Yeah, he was very good, and and he's got a really good knack for, you know, finding a way into the game. And um, you know, he certainly will be learning a lot having Richie Moonga there um, and and his guidance as well. And then actually being out on the field, like I, I certainly feel, and I don't know whether DC would say this or he said it um, before or he doesn't think it, but. I certainly believe him playing 12 that first year for us with the Crusaders and learning to learning about the way that Mertz orchestrated a game in the 10 jersey by being on the field with him was instrumental in the way that his growth uh, was accelerated and he, he just was much more mature a player probably before he... he um, should have just because of Mertz's influence. Yeah, and I asked you this a little bit, I think it was either on Monday or last week, Justin, in regards to, you know, you played behind guys like Zinzan Brock and those guys beat mm. you up a little bit when you played them early in the Shield game. But as a halfback, do you learn the same thing from the Mertens and those guys outside of you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's um, my mantra that I always sort of, uh, when people ask me about my career, I always will roll out the fact that when I got asked to come to Canterbury um, and I saw that they, they had Andrew Mertens as their 10, um, that was very much my mindset, that playing uh, nine uh, with him outside me was, if anything, going to just massively improve my game and make me the player that I could that I could be because he, he just simply was a type of guy that could just make you a better player and uh, and, and you could learn. So, yeah, I think I've got a lot to thank old Mertz for. How long did it take for you guys to establish a sort of a friendship or, or, or a mutually, um, yeah, a mutual relationship, I guess? Not long. No, we, we, we got on really well. We had the same interests off the field. We, we'd encountered each other at age group rugby. Um, he was playing for Canterbury and I was playing for Southland. So we were, and we both made South Island sides, although they were only paper sides, but we, we, um, we then sort of had bumped into each other. So when we got together with Canterbury, and, and obviously he's already an All Black, because he... Uh, he, he, he made he, his he already, debut against Canada, didn't he, if I'm correct? Yes, absolutely. So he had already taken that, that big step. Um, and, you know, I think the good thing was, Mitz, um, you know, he, he, he's the type of guy that he could see I was a bit green, a bit raw, and a bit young, but um, well, I was the same age as him, but when I say young, young in, in, the, in the rugby fraternity because I hadn't played a lot of first-class rugby like he had, let alone play for the All Blacks. But um, he was really helpful at me getting a good balance and not getting too, you know, one one dimensional. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Do you have to, do you have to just naturally loosen up around that dude because he is just such a oh, character, mate. mate? You can't take a damn word he says seriously. Absolutely not. No. It's just and one of the great characters of the degree, game, Stewie Wilson. To, yeah, to a degree, I had to avoid him in the changing room sometimes because he was having that much of a laugh and a joke that I just thought, if the coaches see me, <laughs> they're going to think I'm not interested. Mertz can just switch on and switch off. You know, he could just do it. But, uh, yeah, I was very well aware that I needed to keep my focus as much as I could, and uh, I would pretty, pretty much spend most of my time avoiding him in the changing shed. 29 minutes after one, you are listening to the Rugby Run. Just want to acknowledge Bunnings.
And a little bit later too, we will get Justin to give us his Kubota player of the round. Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Uh, coming up next on the programme, however, we will catch up and talk with another of our broadcasters, Ken Laban. To talk all things Mount Albert Grammar School, Ken Laban joins us. Afternoon to you, Ken. Afternoon, mate. We How did, are you? We did get you on to talk about Mount Albert Grammar, didn't we? Of course you did. <laughs> of course hey, you did, brother. Hey, did either of those sides tackle yesterday? Fiji, Moana Pacifica, 47-46, a wonderful advertisement for the way the game should be played. 93 points in 80 minutes or something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, not sure about my own college maths, but, um, yeah, no, you're dead right. 47, 46, there's not a lot of defence going on. Um, we'll keep the crowd on their feet and plenty of entertainment. Mind you, the way they do tackle, the way both sides play with such physicality, you can understand why neither player probably wanted to make a tackle. Yes, exactly. Mm. Hey, um, we've got Justin alongside of us here, Justin Marshall as well. Just want to, um, I'm not sure what rugby you did see yesterday, but I just want to talk about Luke Jacobson. Where does he sit in your mind, Ken, in regards to backups to Artie Severe in the eight jersey when you look at guys like Sawa Kula, Hoskins, Satuto, also in the mix? I, I thought... I thought watching him at the moment, he's become the player that I always thought he was. Yeah, well, I suppose, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how to respond to that. Um, obviously, he's going to be in the conversation. Um, but, you know, this is the kind of player that can make the impact for us um, at eight um, with the ball. And, of course, you know, Hardy's specialty. Um, you know, when they bring the ball into contact, he comes out with it on the other side. Um, and he's been able, and, and to some degree, you know, continue the legacy set by um, by Richie McCall with regard to that. And, of course, his explosive running and the beautiful left-to-right pass he threw over the top for um, Nahola's try. So, for you know, there's a lot of reasons for us to be excited about, you know, the various skill sets that Artie brings to the back of the scrum. Um, but I'm not sure that Jacobson brings all of those with him. No, he's hardworking, uh, he's tough, great attitude, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but is that enough? Yeah, but I don't think anybody is going to get to the level of Artie Severe. And I guess my question is, is he the best of the rest? I mean, who, who, is, who is the backup then if it's, if, it's not, if it's not Luke Jacobson? And Justin might have a thought on this as well. Yeah, well, there's no doubt in my mind that Tutu and um, and Akira have got the skill set. Um, they can both hit, they can both offload, they can both keep the ball alive. Uh, they've both got those nice, subtle touches. Um, but really, it would be fair to say that neither of them have cemented this spot in the team for one reason or another um, to come out. But they've, they've certainly got the skills, you know, both of them. Both of them can play in the centre and not look out of place. Okay. Totally agree. Yeah. No. And g'day, Kenny. Thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate it as always. Uh, yeah. I guess it's where the All Blacks want to get to, isn't it? In terms of, like you said, what what type of player they want, and then how they then balance out that back row. You know, I'm still thinking to myself after having seen his old man at the weekend um, that Ethan Blackadder, I think, has got all of the skill set, the toughness, um, the hard running, the work rate. To, to play number eight, but um, I'm not sure Ian Foster um, sits in the same camp as me on that one. Um, but anyway, look, I wanted to chat to you about your um, the, the Hurricanes versus the Blues game. We had Nisbo on earlier 
as a Hurricane supporter, he said it. It annoyed him. It actually annoyed him, the performance of the Hurricanes. What did you make of their performance against the Blues? Well, it was a game they could have, would have, should have, and in the end didn't, wasn't it? Um, mm. And I share every bit of um, of Nisbo's frustration. But before I get to that, um, Marshall, I just want to take this opportunity uh, both to add my name to the list of those that are wishing um, you and Todd Blackadder and Wayne Smith um, who were inducted into the Hall of Fame um, in this past week. All the very best and congratulations. Um, it's wonderful that your um, that your legacy and your contribution and your success um, at the uh, at the Crusaders during a what was a brilliant and illustrious playing career for you, mate. It's now set in stone uh, forever. Um, you know, it's not something that we do a lot of in New Zealand that acknowledge and recognise um, uh, great achievements in this Hall of Fame. Um, a lot of them are relatively new concepts, but nonetheless, there are opportunities for us to not to acknowledge and honour our champion players and champion contributors. So I was really pleased um, to see you, bro, get that acknowledgement and recognition. Um, thoroughly deserved. And um, like I say, I just wanted to add my list of those um, in New Zealand and around the world that are wishing all of you well on uh, successful careers um, at the Crusaders. And while I agree 100%, mate, I'm a big Ethan Blackadder fan. Uh, Marshy always have been. I, you know, I love that kid. It's hard. One of the reasons why he's injured with the shoulders all the time is because he whacks people, you know, uh, when he, he goes in for the kill. And he's got, he's got that stuff in his DNA that you can't coach. Uh, you know, with a great respect to Todd, I think Ethan's tougher than his father, mate. He can hit, he can run, he can compete at the breakdown. He's fantastic. Um, player, and I agree, I would have him ahead of, um, um, ahead of most players when it comes to picking, you know, who would you guys be most comfortable with in the back row after, you know, like if we just work on the basis that, you know, Artie and Sam Kane obviously going to lock up um, two positions and more likely Dalton Papali. Possibly, the, the, I don't know, I'm only speculating, but I would have no qualms whatsoever if Ethan Blackout was one in the conversation to be one starting inside that three, or if not, being the player off the um, uh, off the bench. And I, you know, when you think about what they're going to face, um, even in game one when they get to the World Cup, they're up for a shit fight on game one, bro. You know that as well as I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're going to need the kind of players um, that are going to stand up, step up, Bit hard and hide and go nowhere on defence, um, and then try and play some footy after that. I don't think there's any way that they they would consider or contemplate um, going in with any less than 100% Toro 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 attitude to open up the World Cup campaign. Well, first of all, I totally agree with you on that, no doubt about it. And it's the type of player I think we need to change the picture as well um, from what the rest of the world have seen from the All Blacks in the last couple of years. But secondly, um, thank you very much for your kind words, Ken. They they mean a lot coming from you. Your knowledge of the game is unprecedented and um, the fact that you've seen so many players, um, for you to say uh, that uh, those those words to me, um, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, bro. No, no worries, mate. Much respect. Okay, uh, your Hurricanes team last night, Ken Laban, what was the difference between the two sides other than the score? Well, you know, you look at that. Um, you look at that Hurricanes team um, that started. Um, I always thought, um, and I'm not trying to sound like a smart aleck, because um, we're the three quarter way, 
um, of the competition. But the Hurricanes, when they were that team, that we all knew um, that they could be. PJ Petanara was the nine, and Bogan Barrett was the ten. Um, and they're basically gone, you know, um, the best part of two or three years now um, without either, without either of them. And um, and I think that the only, and you know, and I know this sounds terrible. It's not meant to sound as a criticism, but probably the only area um, where they have lacked experience, class, and poise alongside, um, you know, the other big dogs in the competition has been that nine ten. Um, area. Those are the two boys that handle the ball the most. Those are the two players that make the big decisions on uh, when they're going to run, when they're going to pass, when they're going to kick. They sort out the order of the forwards going. They do all of that um, stuff that Marcy was acknowledged and recognised for um, last week. But Aidan Morgan and Roy Gard, with the greatest respect, their best footy is still in front of them. So, in, a sum, in summary then, Ken, just looking at the, the top eight as it sits now, there's there's still some niggle probably in position seven and eight where there could be some jockeying for positions in that last round. But if you look at the the nucleus of the sides that are already guaranteed getting there, the Chiefs, Crusaders, Blues, Brumbies, Hurricanes, Waratahs, who to you, even though the Chiefs are sitting on top of the table, do you think is the side that, um, the two sides that will probably be in the final? Chiefs and Crusaders. Um, and I don't, have any, I, don't have any, I don't have any doubt about that. Of that, of that top eight and of that top four, that, well, to me, they're the two best teams in the comp um, this year. And that's the, final, that's the final that everybody wants. Which does, Marshy, doesn't that raise an interesting debate um, over should we have a top eight or should we have a top four? Yeah. Um, a top eight as it stands now, you're a 66% chance to make the postseason or to make the playoffs. And I think last year you could win four games and make the playoffs. Well, to my mind, mate, that's a joke. Um, if it was me, I would cut it off at the top four. And those top four teams that you um, that you read out, three New Zealand teams and the Brumbies, they're the top four teams in the competition. And I would love to see a, uh, a final series where it's really, really intense. Um, as well, maybe one place two and the winner of that game sits out for a week and then three place four and the loser goes to the beach and then two or three play off an elimination final and create a little bit of drama um, around it. But that, to me, would be a far better representation of excellence um, at the elite level, having a top four than a top eight, where um, you know it's almost a round-robin playoff, isn't it? Um, in the end, when one plays eight in the first round, of the um, of the competition, when there's a, to me, there's a huge difference in class and status between the top four and the other teams already. Mm. Ken, just finally, want to just acknowledge the Blues' performance last night, and we've talked a lot about them today. But um, Bryce Heem, Mark Talia, um, probably their two best games for the Blues, both were magnificent. Is Mark Talia now starting to just come into his own? Is he starting to look like the complete footballer? Um, oh, mate, he's been he's he's been fabulous, um, and obviously obviously he's going to be picked. In my view, the only the only player who's not an All Black that's going to get picked in that team is going to be Sean Stevenson. Um, in my view, everybody else has either been there before. Um, there may be, you know, my knowledge of the boards maybe not that great, but you know, overall, the best player in New Zealand that's not an All Black is Sean Stevenson, um, and he can play he can play fourteen or fifteen. The All Blacks have got a history of picking 15s who can play 14 um, and can and can and can do it well. 
Um, he's tall, he's big, he's fast, he's in great form, um, and he's and he's a terrific talent. But Mark Mark Talia, well, you know, as I said before, about stuff that's in your DNA, he's just a special player. Um, some of those tries that he scored uh, this year and last night, fabulous. Billy Harmon. Well, where would you? Where would you? And at whose expense? I know that's. Like, what so I'm, I'm, but that, I'm just saying, that. based on injury, uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard, isn't it? At the moment, you want to try and keep these guys here, but there just doesn't appear to be a pathway through. But how good has he been in a in a hurricane? Oh, no, no, well, he's been terrific. Yeah. yeah, well, he's been here. He's been terrific. Well, well mate, obviously, Sam Kane's going to get picked, and uh, Dalton Papali. Um, it's going to it's going to get picked. Are they going to pick Dalton as a seven, or are they going to pick Dalton as a six? If they pick Dalton as a six, it might open the door for Billy Harmon. Um, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. You have to ask someone smarter than me uh, whether you do that. But if you if you work out, you know, per position who's likely to be there, he might be he might be in the conversation. But I wouldn't think he's a walk up selection. And that's not being disrespectful. Oh. I just. No, that hey, traffic jam there, mate. Isn't it? No, all, all we want is an opinion and a thought, Ken, and you're very good at delivering one. So thank you. Look, thanks for the time this afternoon, mate. All the very best. Thank you, mate. Cheers, Marshy. Cheers, Kenny. Thank you. And now, Justin Marshall, I'll get you, Justin, to give us your Kubota most reliable player. Kubota, together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Well, I think it's pretty clear cut this week. Um, what I and I equally don't want. Um, microphone or a set of headphones coming through uh, from Auckland studio into my bedroom if I wasn't to pick either Bryce Heem or Mark Talia. <laughs> um, you did enjoy their performances at the weekend, didn't you? And I'm on the same page. Oh, um, look, I you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I am a blues man. I'm not going to leave, leave anyone and look. But I, I, I was impressed, actually. I thought it was a game where we had two sides fully packed, and I thought both players were outstanding last night. And I haven't said that every week about them. Uh, Kubota, for over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building New Zealand together. So he's a smart man, that Justin Marshall. There you go. He's just been inducted into the Crusaders Hall of Fame, and here he is promoting the blues. They might relinquish that membership, Justin. Hey, Justin, I do want to finish just with that Highlanders performance against the Reds, 35-30. But the real story here, Aaron Smith at halfback, his last game. Yeah, it was. And, you know, the fact that uh, he is easily the most capped um, Highlander, um, I don't think that there'll be many, if any, that will surpass um, his excellence down there. Uh, equally, you know, just a competitor um, and what he's given to the Highlanders uh, fittingly, uh, they are able to produce the win for him because that's what he deserves, being the winner that he is and the competitor that he is. Uh, and it's been a tough old season, and they're not an easy team to knock over the Reds either, and they, they came to the party as well. So it has actually ended up being a really good game of rugby, which, again, is is fitting for, for Nuggy for his last game down there. Um, I think what he's gone on um, to do for that, for that uh, franchise um, will be unrivaled. And I was just really pleased to see the team front for him and him to get the deserved victory that uh, won't see him back in that jersey anymore. And uh, they were able to let him leave on a on a very fitting note, which was brilliant. Yeah, the nice thing too for him, I mean, he's won you know a couple of Rugby World Cups, but he also won a Super Rugby Championship with the Highlanders, yeah. their only championship back in 2015. So, you know, you can tick that box as well. You know, you look at English Premier League football, Harry Kane with Tottenham Hotspur, great Spurs player, but actually hasn't won anything with them. No, and, and you know, you also have to be very complimentary of his resilience. You know, the, the, there's not many times that he's been out with injury. 
there's not many times where he hasn't played or started and 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 played big minutes. You know, it's only probably been since Fakatava turned up that he got the odd game on the bench and probably slightly replaced earlier than even the 70th minute. So when you think of the performances, the amount of games, what his body has been through and what he's delivered for them, absolutely incredible. It just, I think as fans, we look at Aaron Smith and go, he changed the game, in fact, of just that yep. quickness of pass, that bullet pass. But is that a little bit too simple? Is there more to it than what he brought? Yeah, he, he bought not only that quickness and that uh, the, the, the new running lines, the traditional running lines, of a nine were to deliver the ball from a ruck or breakdown or a scrum or whatever it might be, and you were quite lateral in moving towards the, the, the next phase. Aaron Smith literally started running three to four to five metres ahead of the ball, um, anticipating where the next breakdown was going to be. Just the knowledge and the way that now every scrum half in the world has emulated what he um, brought into the game to be able to get to the breakdowns quicker and deliver um, you know, he was he was the man that brought that into what a halfback now does in the modern game. Um, and equally, try assists. You know, he's just a, a, a magic man close to the line at getting and getting and picking out the right receivers. Uh, he's absolutely superb at that. His awareness is unrivaled. Well, Justin, that is another edition of the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Look, again, congratulations on your inclusion into the Crusaders Hall of Fame. And again, thank you for a wonderful two hours of rugby. Thank you, Watto, and thanks to for everybody joining us for the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. I've really enjoyed it and appreciate all the kind words from everybody. It's been a very proud few days. Um, I'm very humbled. Yep, no, it's thoroughly deserved. And that comes from a blues man, Mark Talia. You know all those guys? You know all those guys have been talking about? Anyway, that is us coming up after 2 o'clock. It is John O'Riddler in studio. We are talking endurance sport. We are talking one of the great feats of human endeavour.